couple of, of quick announcements. First, we are continuing with Adult Sunday School, which we began a couple of weeks ago. It's from 11 o'clock till 12 o'clock downstairs. Angie Dalek will be finishing up her series on Stress Less, and it's just been wonderful. And if you want to just show up today, uh, that's perfectly all right, because you will get something from it. But after that, uh, Pastor Chris will once again begin the Believe Bible Study. Um, so we'll continue on with that. He'll uh, be teaching that through uh, up into Christmas. So set your calendars. Include 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock for adult Bible, or for adult Sunday school. Also, there are calendars out on the coffee bar that have all of the different monthly activities that are going on at the church, many of which are abundant life groups. And if you're not involved in an abundant life group, it's a small group of people that gather together to study the Bible, to fellowship with one another, oftentimes sharing a meal, prayer, just getting to know one another. And it's so important that we involve ourselves beyond Sunday morning in fellowship with other Christians to strengthen us through the week, to grow in the Lord. So there's a variety of things going on here. And I just have to say, having been here the past couple of Monday nights, um, Annette's Bible study on Monday night smells really good. (laughs) Also, um, for college uh, kids on Mondays, the uh, College Young Life is next door in uh, Webster Hall. So a bunch of information about things going on in the church. So pick one of those up, get involved. Uh, also, speaking of involvement, on the website, for those of you who have visited the website, uh, you know that there is an outreach tab. And on the outreach tab, Rob has set it up so that anyone who would like to volunteer to bring things in that the God Squad needs, Val and the middle school and high school ministry needs, you can go into the outreach tab and sign up for everything that uh, Val possibly might need. And get involved. Support the youth ministry here. It's an amazing thing that is happening that God has done over the course of the past year and a half in youth ministry. So I think that covers just about all of the announcements. Let's look into the Word of God. We are talking about going, and today we're talking about going in grace and peace. Now, the first phrase undergoing was as salt and light. And I talked about over the past couple of weeks the transformation that each one of us has experienced as a Christian. That we have become new creatures in Christ. Literally, the Bible says that all of the old things have passed away and we are new creatures in Christ. We are spiritual beings. And we, as those spiritual beings, represent the kingdom of God as salt and light. Influencing the world around us. Illuminating for those who are in darkness, what God's light is all about. The message today and next week with regards to in grace and peace involve what we communicate to the world. As salt and light is all about what we are in Christ. But in grace and peace is the message that we communicate to the world. Now, there are two different approaches to God. 
If you look at any religion, religious system, philosophical uh, worldview, what you'll find is it's based upon man's works. Our doing something to please God, to move into favor with God based upon what we do. Christianity is unique in that Christianity deals with what God has done in order to bring us into his favor. And that's where the grace comes in. And grace, we'll talk about this in a moment, came through in more detail, but grace came through Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says in John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ literally was God's gift to humanity because that's what grace is. Grace is a gift. The word in the Greek is charis, and it means a gift. And so Jesus Christ is God's gift to humanity. And he introduced to mankind the notion that God is drawing people to himself through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. That there is nothing that you or I can do to merit favor with God other than to believe in his son. It's as simple as that. That's grace. Grace, from a biblical perspective, is defined as God's unmerited favor. So when when we receive grace, we are receiving something from God, his favor, good standing with him, and it's not merited. It's not based upon anything we've done, any good work that we have performed. God doesn't look at us and say, okay, this person, they're really measuring up. I'm going to pull them in because they're doing so well. That's really not how it works. On your best day, the very best day you've ever had, you are still an eternity away from righteous standing with God based upon your own works. We could never bridge the chasm that existed between God and man. Only God, through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection, could do that and introduce us into the very presence of God as sons and daughters adopted into his family. That's the grace of God, his unmerited favor. And it's a good thing. It's a, it's, it's a good thing because those of you who have tried to live up to the law. It says here the law was given through Moses. Those of you who have tried to live up to the law, how well have you done? I mean, you can, you can go along for a while and do pretty well. But then there comes that moment where you're in a difficult situation, someone's talking to you, and you're trying to impress them, and suddenly, unintentionally, but nonetheless, it comes out the lie to impress them or to make them think something that isn't really true about you. Okay, now, I'm I'm looking out at a bunch of faces, 
And I can absolutely 100% guarantee that every one of you have done that. We all have. We all have fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says. That's why we need grace. That's why we need God's favor. But when we receive the grace of God, when we acknowledge the fact that we cannot measure up to his requirements and that he has given us this pathway into his presence by grace through his son, Jesus Christ, who introduced grace and truth to us. When we realize that, the load is off. It's no longer my righteousness that impresses God, but it's Jesus' righteousness. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So we possess righteousness not through our own works, but through the work of Jesus Christ. Now this is very, very important because the vast multitude of humanity approaches God through good works, through some kind of merit, through some kind of religious system that if they maintain it, if they keep it, then God will accept them. And that's a process that none of us, no one out there, no one in here can ever accomplish. So we have this message of grace that God has given to us. Why grace? Why does God work through grace? Well, in a very simple explanation, God works through grace because of his nature, who he is. Stop and think about this for just a second. God is transcendent over all of creation. Transcendent simply means that he exists beyond his creation. He is not a part of his creation. He is apart from it. But he is interested in and active upon his, his creation. So because of God's nature as transcendent over us, everything that he does involving us requires grace because grace is a condescending goodness or kindness towards those who are less than or undeserving of the the person in the more prominent position. So God works through grace because he's God. And his creation uh, needs his grace because we are his creation. We are separated from him in that respect. But because of his grace, because of his loving kindness, he has offered an introduction into fellowship with him through Jesus Christ. Now this, again, is important because this is what we are communicating, church. This is what, through our lives, hopefully, and certainly through our words that we communicate with the world around us, that we are sharing what God has done. God has gifted us with his unmerited favor. He has blessed us with his kindness. He has loved us and lavished upon us, the Bible says, a love that calls us his very own children. So we go in grace and peace. Peace. What is peace? Well, peace simply is, in a biblical sense, a reconciliation of relationship. 
Think about it in terms of nation states. When nations are at war, in battle, they are fighting with one another, right? But there can be a ceasefire in that battle where the two nations decide for a period of time we are not going to uh, wage war against each other. We are going to cease fire. Perhaps it's so that they can begin uh, peace talks or try to communicate and see if there is a common ground that they might be able to, to build a peace upon. And so you move from a ceasefire from hostilities to perhaps a peace treaty where you agree that you're no longer going to be at war on certain terms and you agree that uh, according to the terms of the treaty you are no longer at war. It's not a ceasefire. It's a treaty that ceases hostilities. But a reconciliation, and certainly from a biblical perspective, a reconciliation is far more than a peace treaty. A reconciliation draws us back into a relationship with God where there has not just been a cessation of hostilities, but we are once again allies joined together. In fact, as I mentioned, we are introduced into his family. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is our peace. In Ephesians 2.14, he says, Paul writes that he is our peace who has broken down the wall of separation between Jew and Gentile and introduced both of us, the Jew and the Gentile, once again into fellowship with God. So Jesus Christ is our peace. And peace has, uh, that peace that I'm talking about is where we are no longer at war with God, but we have moved past peace treaty into an allied relationship with God, where we are working to advance his kingdom. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is where it comes with the going where we go in grace and peace. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. As I said, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. But it doesn't stop there. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to, to himself in Christ, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, that we once again can have peace with God. There was a period of time in Genesis where Adam walked, the Bible says, in the cool of the day with the Lord. He was allied with him. He was in relationship with God. But then, of course, sin came, and that was severed. Death entered into the human experience. But because of the cross and the resurrection, because of the payment that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary, shedding his blood, 
a propitiation. That's the, that's the theological term. Essentially what it means is payment was made for the price of sin. The wages of sin is what? Death. And so Jesus' death, the shed blood on the cross, paid the sin price. And so because of that, we can be reconciled with God. We can once again enter into relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what we go with, church. This is the message that we proclaim, that you can receive the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, simply by believing in His Son, Jesus Christ. You don't have to do anything. God has done it all. And in fact, once you believe, God is going to continue to do more in your life. He's going to expand his work in your life. And he's going to give you his peace. He's going to create a situation where you are no longer at war with God. You are no longer fighting a battle against God, but you have peace with God. That's good news. That is wonderful news. So we have this message of grace that brings peace. It's what Paul always introduced his epistles with. He said, grace and peace to you in Jesus Christ and God the Father. So he would say, the grace of God be with you that brings then the peace of God. So this is an important message that we communicate. It's very, very pivotal. It's transforming to most people when they recognize that God loves them no matter what. I had a, a man who was in my church uh, in Fruta, and he was a wonderful man, had actually been a pastor. He, he could teach and preach the Word of God powerfully. But he was no longer in the pastorate, um, but he came to me for, for counsel, and he was struggling because he had a, a, a serious, serious uh, sexual addiction. Just could not seem to get past it. And he would go through these periods of time where that overtook his life. And, and he would just recognize his unworthiness and he would struggle with that and he would uh, just really sometimes literally fall apart. Can you relate to that? Do you have things that you struggle with sometimes? that just rip you apart, that tear up your life? Sure you do. Sure you do. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. He would struggle with that, and he said, Greg, I'm in need of the grace of God. I, I, I need God to forgive me. And, and I would say to him, Chuck, you need the grace of God on your best day. It's not just on your bad days. It's not just when you're failing in that miserable sense and everything is falling apart that you need the grace of God. You need the grace of God on your best day. And once he began to enter into that relationship, that understanding that he worked with God based upon the grace of God, and we'll talk about this more next week, how grace works in our lives. Once he began to recognize that, it was freeing to him. He, he realized that God loved him no matter what and that God's grace was extended to him regardless of him failing or him succeeding. Because sometimes, and I was sharing with Mary Beth in the office here not too long ago, 
the struggle I have between thinking I am the best thing that ever happened to this world and struggling with thinking I'm the worst sinner that the world has ever known. I mean, this, I'm just being transparent with you. That's what I struggle with. Sometimes I think I'm the best. Sometimes I think I'm the worst. Some of you do that as well. And that's okay. I mean, that's our human nature. But when we enter into that relationship with God based on grace, we recognize that no matter how prideful we may be, how humiliated we may be, that ultimately it's not about us, but it's about the cross and the grace Jesus Christ extended to us. And when we come to that place, just like my friend Chuck did, we understand that God's grace is always extended to us. He never withdraws it. He never pulls it back. He doesn't look upon us based upon our works. He looks upon us based upon what? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians that I quoted to you, 5.21. We are the righteousness of of God in Christ. And that's good news. That's why it's called the gospel. Because whatever your struggle may be, however well you're doing or however terribly you're doing, the grace of God covers you. And with that, then, comes the peace of God. The understanding that I can let go. That I can just trust and know that he loves me. Know that he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll be with me through my struggles. Yes, he will sanctify me. He will help me to, to get to that place of righteous living and righteous walk with him based upon the power of his Holy Spirit and his word in my life. But that's not a work that merits something from God. That's His work in my life. I tried on my own to get there, and I couldn't do it. Led me to despair and struggle in my life. So, with many of you. But when you understand grace, unmerited favor, that it never changes, never goes away, every time God takes a look at your life, He sees Jesus Christ, his blood covering you. He sees a son or a daughter in whom he is well pleased. It gives you peace. It gives you an assurance. It gives you a wonderful uh, freedom. You know, we talked last week about uh, being new creatures in Christ. And because of being new creatures in Christ, then seeing ourselves differently and seeing others in a new way with eyesight that has been healed spiritually. And ultimately then freeing ourselves and others through the the knowledge that God has loved us and gave his son for us. That freedom that comes is what brings the peace. And this world needs peace. There's three different things that happen with grace and peace that every one of us needs to understand. Three different things. First, grace and peace is personal. It involves you personally. Your relationship with God. You you came to God through grace. Ephesians 
2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. You have a personal connection to grace because you have been saved by God's free gift. You have a personal connection with peace because Jesus Christ himself, the Bible says, is your peace. He is the prince of peace. But also, grace and peace is a practical reality in our lives. It plays out all of the time in our lives. Stop and think about what Paul was going through there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Three times he asked the Lord to remove this thorn from his flesh. Whatever the thorn was, we don't know. But Paul, this man who had actually been caught up into the third heaven, who had heard the very voice of God speaking, could not rid himself of this struggle, this thorn in the flesh. It continued with him constantly, day in and day out. Now, I love the fact that the thorn in the flesh was not identified because that then allows me to identify with Paul's struggle. Because I have more than one thorn in the flesh. What about you? But what did God say to Paul? When Paul had, had petitioned him three times and three times been turned away, what did God say to him? He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. And so Paul said, therefore, most gladly will I endure this thorn in the flesh and all of the other associated things that go with it, because I know that it is God at work in me through his grace then to sustain me, to carry me through this. And it's likewise true for each one of you. Whatever you go through, God's empowering grace is with you, and it is sufficient for you. It will help you. Whether you're in a marital uh, battle, whether you're in a financial struggle, whether you're like my friend and you have an addiction that you can't seem to overcome, God's grace is sufficient for you. He will empower you to overcome. In your weakness, he is strong. And with that practical grace experience, we again have the peace of God. Jesus said to his disciples when he left them, he said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. Peace not as the world gives do I give you, but I'm giving you something better. See, for the world, absence of conflict is good enough. But in a relationship with God, each and every day that we wake up, we can possess the peace of God, the knowledge that he is with us, the assurance that he goes before us, the absolute understanding that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will always be there. He is the calm in the middle of the storm. And so it's very practical, grace and peace. It plays out in our lives every day, multiple times a day, I would suggest. But also, 
Grace and peace is perpetual. And by perpetual, I mean never-ending. It's something that will continue on and on and on forever. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Why? In order that in the coming ages, throughout eternity, from age to age to age, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So his grace is perpetual. When, when we die and when we go into his presence, the experience of grace doesn't change then. It continues. There's a different perspective, perhaps. We will see him face to face, the Bible says. We will know him fully as we are fully known. But the reality is, is God is going to continue to interact with us through his grace, his benevolent, condescending kindness that will never go away, nor will his peace, that presence, that calm, that absolute knowledge that everything is going to be okay. Now, some of you here this morning are struggling. You don't have peace in your lives. Perhaps you know Jesus Christ. Perhaps you know him in a personal way, but you're struggling with finding peace. That peace that Jesus promised to his disciples and said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, you don't have that. And the reason that you're not experiencing that peace is because you are not receiving his grace. That free gift You are striving, you are trying to accomplish something in your own power, you are trying to manage or control a situation, a circumstance outside of your capacity. And that's why you don't have peace. Instead of just giving it up to God and saying, Lord, your grace is sufficient for me. My weakness requires your power. You can have the peace of God here this morning by receiving the grace of God. We, and we'll talk about this in more depth next week, we need to possess what we want to give to the world. So if you're not receiving the grace of God and experiencing the peace of God, it's going to be very difficult for you then to go in grace and peace. So this morning, I want to pray. I want to pray for each one of us that this message might resonate, might land with us. That God's grace is ours to receive. That God's peace is ours to possess. And for each one of you who is going through that struggle, and all of us have been there, it's not like an arrive and you never struggle with this again. It's a constantly unfolding walk and understanding. But let's pray and just ask God to help us. Interestingly, it says in in Hebrews chapter 4 that we come before his throne of grace to receive help in time of need. Let's pray that prayer. Heavenly Father,
each one of us here this morning is in absolute need of your grace in a continuing fashion. Whatever we have done, whatever we have failed to do, Lord, you're aware of that. And in Christ we are forgiven. We have received reconciliation with you. We are no longer at war. We are our allies with you. But the enemy of our soul, Lord, comes before your throne and accuses us. The Bible says he is the accuser of the brethren. When we fall short of your glory, when we stumble, guilt, frustration, whatever, condemnation comes in and we just feel like it's out of our control. But the Bible says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so my prayer, Lord, for each and every one of us here this morning is that you would have an outpouring of your grace upon us. Help us to fully experience and recognize and receive here this morning your kindness and your unmerited favor. And as a result of that, Lord, to walk out of this building today with an absolute assurance of peace. Scriptures say in Isaiah 26, 3, Lord, that you will keep him in perfect peace whose eyes are fixed upon you. Not upon what's happening in our lives, not upon what's going on with other people in the church, but if our eyes are fixed upon you, you will keep us in perfect peace because your grace is extended towards us. Bless this congregation, Lord God, with grace and peace. Help us to receive it and to walk out into our world with it. In Jesus' name, amen.